एक मिनट रुक जाओ रेडी होने दो चलो ये कर लेते हैं अक्षय हाय दिस इज सौरभ एंड यू आर लिसनिंग टू द फाउंडर थीसिस पॉडकास्ट वी मीट सम ऑफ द मोस्ट सेलिब्रेटेड सार्ट ऑफ फाउंडर्स इन द कंट्री एंड वी वॉन्ट टू लर्न हाउ टू बिल्ड यूनिकॉर्न Hi my name is Raj Kundra I am the founder CEO of JL Stream India Private Limited Imagine this his father was a Punjabi migrant from Ludhiana who came to the UK and started as a bus conductor After years of hard work his father became a middle class businessman in London He grew up not wanting to join his father's business but to make his own name and by the time he was just 22 years old he had already earned his first million today after running multiple businesses he is now an entrepreneur in india and married to one of india's most loved actresses sounds like a plot of a bollywood movie it's actually not this is the inspiring true story of raj kundra a london born indian who actually came back to india for love and adventure and the adventure that raj is currently on is a venture called jl stream that was attempting to disrupt social and video commerce here's raj telling akshay about his schooling years in the uk funny enough um, in my school from the age of 13 to 18 i was the only indian in my year there was a couple of black boys i was the only brown indian and the rest were all british guys so there was the odd off a bit of racism here and there but nothing that we couldn't tackle and i think it's all about standing your ground so if you you know uh, if you if you came across as the pushover then you're going to get pushed over and i think that's that doesn't matter about your skin color but yeah i mean there was racism but it wasn't as bad um as it probably was in my dad's time what kind of kid were you were you like a studious kid or were you a hustler street smart or <laughs> yeah i think i think i was a born hustler to be honest um uh, i I remember failing my GCSEs uh, the first time round. What's GCSE? GCSEs over here I think it's 10th if I'm not mistaken yeah 10th standard. Um so I failed it the first time round. I I did well in 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 the basics and then I I failed on a lot of subjects which doesn't allow you to go and do your 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 plus your 12 your A levels. Um so I remember my dad being really uh, peeved saying that you know I, I didn't educate myself and I was hoping that you would do well. Uh Like my sister was studious she was the only one out of the three of us to get to get a degree my youngest sister also sort of dropped out of school i dropped out of college um i wanted to get into business and i wanted to be hard working and i said you know i said like dad you didn't go out there and study and get a degree and and, and you've been really hard working i want to put it uh, you know i want to put those uh, skills to use did he agree uh no no he wasn't really happy about it he made me retake my gcses um when i retook it i passed with flying colors i concentrated better um and then when i went into a levels which is your 12th um then i dropped out after 12 finishing completed 12th and dropped out and said you know what um i just can't do this education i want to get into business um funny enough i always passed business studies commerce maths i would always pass but when it came to english sciences literature i would fail those so i just realized that maybe it's it's some genetic ability to to understand numbers and understand business i started business in school I, i was selling at the age of 13 my dad would get uh give me loads of pens that he would get from the post office free so i was selling these pens to my school friends <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> <laughs> that was you know 
my first entrepreneurial journey was quite fun. I got the pen for free and sold it for whatever price it was that time. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, uh, like what, 17, 18, you quit school to do business. So, w- what was in your mind? Like, what did you want to do? You know what? Um, when when I when I when I sort of dropped out, I was helping my dad in his. He had a, uh, a cafeteria. It was a restaurant business that he had that time. Um, so he he was running that, and we'd have chefs and and people. But uh, there'd be times where the chef would sort of call in sick, so dad would take over cooking. Uh, there would be times when the waiters didn't come in, so dad would say, "Okay, take over," and I would be carrying these dishes of plates out to the table. So um, I was doing that, and then we were washing dishes, and then. I think it sort of struck me. I said, you know what? I was not made to do this. I, I, I know that I'm not made to wash dishes for the rest of my life. I feel I'm here for a bigger purpose. Um, so I told my dad, I said, dad, this is just not for me. If, 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 if dropping out of school or college means you're going to put me in a restaurant to wash dishes, you know, I, I just feel that I'm not going to get anywhere in life. So can I have six months to prove myself? And uh, if I don't succeed, you know what? I promise I'll come back and run the restaurant. He said, you have no choice. If you don't succeed, you will be coming back to run the restaurant. Um, so when I, when, when dad gave me this six months, um, I, uh, sort of started researching and looking on the internet and seeing, you know, what, what people are buying, what people are selling, uh, what, what industries are out there sort of, Which year was this? yeah, so yeah, early, early two thousands. Um, so that's when, um, you know, I wasn't really getting much success in terms of what to do as a business. You know, if somebody just says, okay, give me six months, I'll do a business, but you got to know what to do, how to do, where to do. Yeah, and especially at 18, I mean, you're clueless about the world. Exactly. And, and there was a bit of ego there saying, Dad, you're self-made. I want to be self-made as well. So I didn't, uh, I didn't want to take anything from him. Um, so I remember um, getting a job for two months in airline catering. So in the UK, uh, you know, the food that you get when you travel on flights, uh, they come on trays, which are all catered up. So I worked in airline, airline catering for two months. Working there got me my first credit card because once you have a job, you can apply for a credit card. It, I remember it had a 2,000 pound limit and I was like pretty good in those days. Um, and then uh, I, I basically just decided that I was going to fly off. I said, look, if I don't see business happening anywhere soon, I'm going to end up in a cafe washing dishes. Let me at least go and, <laughs> go and see the world a little bit. So I kind of took it um, to Dubai first. I was always uh, intrigued by Dubai. So it was one of the first places I traveled to. From Dubai, I took a flight uh, to Kathmandu. Uh, because a couple of friends told me they're going to be in Kathmandu. I had some friends in India. They said, we're going to Kathmandu. So I said, cool, I'm coming as well. Um, reached Kathmandu, spent some time there. Uh, it, was, it was a great holiday. Um, and one day whilst uh, going through the bazaar, I realized, I said, you know what? I'm going to be heading back soon. I better get my, uh, my mom a present because she is my only <laughs> saving grace and trump card. If, if dad really pushes me to this restaurant, I might be able to buy some more time with my mom. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that, uh, you know, a little bit of muska with the mother always works. So I remember going to um, uh, a local uh, shopping street over there and uh, this guy selling pashmina shawls. Um, so I asked him, what does it do? And then he pulled it through the ring and said, look how soft it is. It's fantastic. Um, and he quoted a price. And I said, you know what? This is actually a really good product, um, especially for a country like the UK, which is always cold. Uh, so I started bragging. I said, uh, so, you know, do you have your own factory? He said, yes. I said, how many do you make? He said, we make about 25,000 shawls a month. I said, that's all? What if I need more? He said, yeah, no problem. We can arrange everything. Swapping my credit card for 2,000 pounds, taking a sample in every color, taking a sample book. And I said, um, you know, I'll be back. And uh, within a month, I'll place my first order. But you better work on your quantities because I'm sure uh, I'm going to be buying out pretty much your, your, your production. 
I don't know what was the why I said that and what, what, you know where that came from, but there must have been much my tongue because really it came true. Um, but it wasn't so easy. I, I remember coming back from uh, Nepal and dad was saying, so how's it going, son? I said, good. He said, you have two months left. I said, yeah, I know, I know. Everything's under control. <laughs> <laughs> Those two months, I started calling um, various companies and uh, they would say, who are you? And I'd say, well, I'm Raj. And I set up a company called RK Collections that time. Let's say um, the Raj Kundra Collections. Um, and they'd say, sorry, we've never heard of you. Is there a website? I'd say, no. Uh, what do you have? I said, I have a product. Okay, but uh, you know, we don't just buy off anyone off the street. There are, there are hundreds who want to supply us. Um, so I wasn't getting anywhere. None of these business houses. So you were me. calling like Marks and Spencers and... Yeah, I called everyone. I called Marks and Spencers. I called everyone, all the buying departments. No one took me serious. Um, you know, when you, when you hear an 18-year-old on the other end of the phone, not that you really know his age. <laughs> yeah. So um, I realized I was running short on funds. There was ego. I didn't want to ask money from my dad. So I took up a part-time chauffeur job because I'd passed my driving test. I was driving and I was uh, escorting various business people from uh, their residence to the airports. Um, one fine day, uh, the, the head office of the uh, chauffeur firm says that you're, um, you've got to pick up uh, from the house uh, the head of Joseph, uh, the buying agent for Joseph, and drop him to the airport. So I thought of this would be a fantastic opportunity. It was a destiny calls. Um, so I, I literally put my brochure and my shirt and my pashmina short samples in the back seat, um, hoping that he would <laughs> see them and then start talking <laughs> because we were told as chauffeurs you cannot make conversation unless somebody speaks to you. Uh, so I picked him up from his house, got in the car, and lo and behold, um, he started picking the sample, looking at it, and saying, "Hey, what is this? It's interesting." I said, "Oh, so this is a pashmina shawl. Um, my uncle has a factory in Nepal." <laughs> so me, uncle. <laughs> And I said, yeah, we produce and we're selling these everywhere. Um, so he said, you know what? This is actually a fantastic product. Do you mind if I take a sample? And I said, please be my guest. Here's my visiting card. Um, and by the, by the time I dropped into the airport, he was literally, you know what? Um, I'm back Sunday. Monday, come and meet me. This is my card. Let's talk. I think this is a great product for, for the UK. So Joseph, a very big uh, retail uh, firm, was one of my first customers in the UK. Joseph was like a clothing? It's a clothing brand. It's a, it's a huge clothing brand. Even today, it's a huge clothing brand in the UK. We're a retail, high street retail designer brand. So Joseph was one of my first customers to buy Pashmina shows. And, uh, you know, the, the orders went into thousands. And month on month, they kept increasing. Um, finally, I was buying out the whole factory's production. Um, I was one of the first people to import Pashmina shawls in the UK. What was the economics of it like? Like, you know, how much did a shawl cost you? My, my margins were 100%. Wow. It was just crazy. Yeah, I mean, I was picking up something at like $30, um, selling it at $60, and they were selling it out at $200, $300 each. Um, so there was such a perceived value to a Pashmina shawl and, and, and the way it was. Um, so the story really worked. And then having Joseph as a customer, it became much easier Um to sell to others. So I, I went to uh, Belgium. I picked up a market there. I had a friend of mine who's a doctor. Um, he helped me network and get a lot of orders in the Belgium high streets. Um, I, I supplied a lot of diamond merchants and uh, a lot of their families. Uh, we used to have various events that would happen where all the, the who's who's wives would just come together to pick up the latest collection of Pashminas that we had. So we became quite, um, quite a sizable business um and made a lot of networks a lot of contacts uh, in in you know with people that i met um so networking was a big part of my business and growing up but i just realized after two years of doing this business that every tom dick and harry started importing pashminas from nepal there were cheap knockoffs the margins went down from 100 percent down to 10 percent and i just said it's not worth it anymore i've done it i made my first few hundred thousand pounds uh i'm, I'm good enough to move on now 
Um, and dad was happy. Dad said, well done. You know what? Uh, you, you, you're in the right time in the right place, uh, just like me, I guess. And uh, you've done well. So all the best to you. Um, during my uh, visit to uh, Belgium is where I met um, uh, I could tell you the, the doctor and he had a lot of uh, contacts that he gave me. So one of them was a, a very interesting Russian uh, businessman who basically uh, took a liking to me because, you know, the way I dealt and everything. And he said, what are you investing in? What are you doing? And I said, well, I'm looking for the next big thing. He said, well, I'm into exploration and uh, it pays really well. Um, what does he mean by exploration? Like oil and gas? No, metals. He was into metal exploration. So in Chile, he was working um, in, in various countries. So I invested some money with him. I said, you know what? I would love to uh, um, you know, do something. I know nothing about it, but I've made some money and I'm happy to put it uh, with you because when a, when a billionaire comes to you and says, you know what? I'm doing something. It's interesting. I like you. Um, it's like a blessing in disguise. So even the doctor said, you know what? You can't go wrong if the guy's offered you. It's, it's a great thing. Um, and lo and behold, I think a, a couple of his uh, explorations that he was doing, um, and it found me so lucky because the, the money that I invested with him, and obviously he'd put in a lot of his money, but uh, we, struck, we struck copper in one of the biggest chili mines, um, which he went on to then flip and sell um, and not sell himself. That returned me multiple fold money. I mean, it literally, my, my first million dollars I saw from that deal. Uh, and then after that, honestly speaking. So uh, what age were you when you became a millionaire? Um, I was I was one of the youngest millionaires in the UK. Uh, I was about 22. Wow. At 22, I wasn't a millionaire, but I had my first million. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that was nice. Hmm. But how, how, I mean, how, how did that feel like? Like uh, at the age of 22, you're probably worth more than everybody that you know, maybe worth more than your parents also. <laughs> um, I mean, dad, dad was really, really proud. Um, but then I think I always tell people the same thing. I say, look, uh, what is uh, entrepreneurship? Um, and it literally is living a few years of your life like most people won't, uh, just so that you can lead the rest of your life like most people can't. So uh, wow, me, that's a good saying. Is this your original saying? This is amazing. Yeah, but I mean, uh, it was something that I really followed. I said, you know, I'm going to work my butt off. My friends were partying. I was cabbing. Uh, school uni friends used to be out on the weekends, and I was working, uh, delivering people, and and and, and then all these shelves and working and this and that. I did lots of part-time jobs uh, in between. Um, so this was beautiful. It gave me it gave me um, enough padding because I realized that it was harder to earn the first hundred thousand, but to earn the next million was easier. So in life, you realize you just need that little bit of padding. If you get the entry, you get your foot in the door. Then you know the, the next few steps are easy. It's just climbing, taking that first leap of faith. Um, so then after that, I, I started investing in multiple businesses, um, and it's, it's, it's always been a trend of mine. I, I love startups. I love uh, investing in people. I love investing in something that's new and interesting. Um, I did film distribution. That's how my, uh, my touch with Bollywood happened. I took uh, uh, a few movies from Bollywood and distributed them in the UK. And this was at the time of Yuva. Yuva released at that time, and there were other movies. That released. So it was at that era. Um, so to distribute movies um, and... and uh, that became my Bollywood connect. Um, and we should like, I mean, we grew up watching Bollywood films. So for us, we learned Hindi at home. Uh, we all spoke with Dhabi and English, but we learned Hindi by watching Bollywood films. So, yeah, I mean, it was interesting. I think, you know, what really worked for me was, was whatever I did, I did with passion. And, um, you know, if I, if I failed in something or if, if I, you know, I used it to learn. My, my mistakes uh, and my failures were my biggest teachers. Uh, and that just helped me. Um, and I always tell a lot of people that 
don't repeat the same mistake because then you're just foolish. If you're learning from mistakes and you're stepping one step ahead, there is nothing better than failure. I, I just feel like if you're successful too fast and too soon, you're not going to appreciate uh, where it's come from. Um, and I just feel that failure is important. And honestly, I still fail. Even till today, I, I set up, I, I invest in companies um, and I fail and I fail miserably. But it's never a repeat of the same mistake. I will, you know, it'll be a new mistake that I've made and it's been something, a new learning. So um, I think that's an important take home for, for budding entrepreneurs is uh, do not, uh, you know, be disheartened by failure, but just keep working um, and, and, and building, you know, your empire one step at a time and learn from your mistakes. So are you more of a investor founder or a operator founder? You know, do you get hands-on? I get very hands-on. You know, for me, I'm uh, I'm an operator, investor. Um, even if someone sort of says, can you invest in our company? I will not just put money. I will get hands-on. I'll want to learn about it. And uh, um, Shilpa sometimes laughs. She goes, you invest in businesses which you know nothing about. I said, when I sign the dotted line, I know everything about that business. I could get offered businesses that I know nothing about. But by the time I come to signing the dotted line, I, I've, I've become self-taught and I feel like I've become a PhD in that. <laughs> so I will not invest in the business till I've learned about it, even if I don't know anything about it, because I just feel that you, you weren't born to know everything and anything. So if there's something interesting, you need to learn it. And I think when you learn it, um, if it interests you and intrigues you, then, you know, you dive into it. If you like to hear stories of founders, then we have tons of great stories from entrepreneurs who have built billion-dollar businesses. Just search for the Founder Thesis Podcast on any audio streaming app like Spotify, Ghana, Apple Podcasts and subscribe to the show. So what are the businesses that work for you? and uh, Businesses that worked for me... Um across the path. Obviously, the Pashmina business was great. Um, I'd invested um, into diamonds. We, we bought and sold precious diamonds from Antwerp to Dubai. Again, it was just the connections. Everything led to something else. When my Pashmina business happened, I met the Russian who helped me with the exploration investment. That paid back well. I used that money to buy diamonds from Antwerp, from the best diamond merchants. And I had a lot of Indian friends there. Um, and their wives I used to supply shawls to, so they introduced me to the husband. Um, and I used to export those to Dubai and sell them there to you know large jewelry companies that would uh, then use them for bigger pieces. So the, the, the jewelry business that was good. The film business was tricky. You know, you'd have a good film one weekend and the next weekend you'd have a dud and it didn't do well, so you'd lose money there. But I think I did that more from passion of just just enjoying uh, Bollywood movies. Um, if I look back in the last recent sort of seven to ten years, uh, I think one of my biggest failures um, was a company called Best Deal TV. We set up a home shopping channel um, in which Akshay Kumar, myself, um, and a couple of investors came together. Um, I was trying to recreate QVC, what QVC had done in America. It was so popular even today, but for some reason, home shopping in India just is so taboo. It's all about Get Slim tablets, Hanuman Chalisa products. They never took it seriously, you know, and everyone, I think, in America, QVC came first, then online shopping, whereas in India, online shopping really took over fast and uh, home shopping was not really considered cool. So um, the expenses were just so high to run that business that uh, I think collectively all us investors, we lost about 100 crores in that company uh, and it just went down. We had to, we had to, uh, you know, we had to close it. And I know with... Um, with Shilpa, she, she always gets very passionate about a business. And for her, you know, when you set up something, closing is not an option. And I always tell her, 
you know, you, you cannot do this. If you want to get into business, you need to know when an elephant is falling off the cliff and when you cannot hold it by the tail, otherwise you're going to go down with it. So um, I think knowing when to cut your losses is, is a very important factor. It's very difficult. Um, there's a lot of ego play that happens, but you can't keep throwing good money at a bad product. What were you selling on Bestil TV? Like what kind of products? Anything, anything from, from forks to uh, kitchen products to uh, everything. I mean, everything, anything that, that was innovative. So home shopping was all about saving time and innovation. So um, cutting vegetables faster, uh, a pillow that helps you sleep better. Um, there were a lot of research products. We, we traveled a lot uh, to the international fairs. We used to buy a lot from China. Uh, we used to make a lot of stuff in India. Um, so there was a lot of innovation going on. But you would only sell to the number of customers watching you on that channel, unlike uh, e-commerce where Amazon, you know, you go to it to buy what you want to buy. So ours was more invitational viewing. Um, uh, and, and I guess, I don't know, it just didn't connect. And unfortunately, the time the business went down was when uh, demonetization happened. Um, our business just went down overnight. You know, we were doing, we were doing 10, 20 lakhs a day of revenue and it went down to like 50,000 a day. So it just became unsustainable and we had to pull the plug on it. So that was one of my biggest uh, failures ever, to be honest, in all my years of business. Uh, but other than that, I think, um, yeah, investments we made, we, we either broke even or we exited uh, at a decent, uh, decent return. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I just, I enjoy it. I mean, today um, I've now invested uh, and, and set it up myself uh, after the Chinese app ban happened in, in a stream company. Um, I feel... And I actually feel this with every company I invest in. That's going to be one of my best uh, deals ever. But uh, genuinely, um, the streaming business is huge. Um, there's a huge FOMO behind it, a fear of missing out. Um, and we're creating a whole ecosystem of live streaming. So you're going to have matchmaking. You're going to have live one-to-one -one video chats with people. Yeah, and especially lockdown. You know, uh, today you can't date. You can't meet someone. You can't connect with someone. We provide you a platform where you can connect with people, um, we keep a very safe environment where if someone's just being rude or something's just not working for you as a streamer or a user, you can kick that person out. Um, and we sort of empower, empower the women with that. Yeah, help me understand, like, what is a comparable app? You know, like... Yeah, so the biggest and uh, the the app that was doing close to 1,500 plus crores a year was an app called Bego Live. So Bego was very big in India. So everyone heard of TikTok. Not many heard of Bego. Both Chinese apps... Um, went down during the Chinese app ban. TikTok was running on advertising revenue. Bigo was running on customer spending, sending gifts to people they like. So today when you go on your stream, you see a streamer, um, you might like that person. So you start chatting with them. How are you doing? Good. Uh, and then you send a virtual gift. So you do an in-app purchase, you buy a rose, and you send it to her to impress her. Um, and thank you for the rose. You get a live shout out. You get happy that you're coming into fame. Um, people start connecting. Then you can send direct messages and connect with that person, have off have offline chats with them through the through the app. So is this like a, a clean version of OnlyFans? Yeah, I wouldn't like to compare it to OnlyFans. OnlyFans has a lot of content on it. OnlyFans has a lot of content on it. We don't do any content. Ours is only live streaming. When the live streaming is over, that's it. It's gone. Um, but yes, I mean, OnlyFans has done well, but it's only done well because of the sex and, and, and all the pornography. Um, so we, we didn't want to get into that space at all. Um, our live streaming, if any, the, the, you know, there's so many community guidelines. If anyone violates it, we turn them off. A lot of apps in the market, live streaming apps that are selling on, on sex. Um, and we send our complaints, regular complaints to the uh, MEITY, uh, Ministry of Communication, and, and, and they do a good job of taking them down. So 
Uh, I think where we're using that first mover advantage in India since the app ban has happened, um, it's been good growth. We only launched in January. Uh, you know, the business is doing about $100,000 a month of revenue uh, from month one till now. So is it a, a platform basically for people who already have a following, like like a platform for influencers to leverage their following and through live stream? Um, so Gen Z, new, new uh, people, the people that were on TikTok and there were new influencers that want to sort of reach out to their fans. Yes, if you set up an account and you put it on your social media that I'm now on jail stream, come and chat with me. It helps, but it's not um, uh, a prerequisite. Today, if you're just a good looking person, a nice looking guy, nice looking girl, and you want to chat with someone, you will have a lot of our traffic that's on our platform that will come and see what you have to say. Um, and we have a lot of scheduled lives. So I bring on a lot of Bollywood celebrities. I bring on a lot of singers that come and, and make the evenings very interesting. Um, and the fact that these users get uh, live shout outs from sending gifts really works. People like that. Um, so yeah, the app, the ecosystem that I'm creating on this app, my, my roadmap is down the line. These influencers will have a system where they'll be able to sell any product they want to also through the app live um, with the cash out happening without coming off my stream. So I can advertise a product, I'm live streaming. So a little bit of what I learned in home shopping will actually come in here. Um, and I can cash out, check out, buy the product, it gets delivered to me without, without coming off the live stream. So I plan on preparing that towards the year end. But before that, um, we're in talks with two of the largest dating companies in the world that want to enter India. Um, they bring to the table uh, technology enhancements, um, 70 million user base plus. Um, so that's really going to help us and that strategic investment is going to help our app go global because whilst it was made in India, it's, it's, it's deployed worldwide. We have users from across the world that are earning revenue. Um, today in India, we have a thousand plus streamers making more than a lack a month. Um, so it, it's good. You know, the revenue is really picking up fast for a lot of these streamers. And uh, how does the discovery happen? Like, say, uh, you know, I'm a new user, first time I log on, uh, you know, how do I discover what's happening, what's of my interest and stuff like that? It's there. Uh, the minute you log in, you'll see a, a discovery page where there are lots of people streaming. You can swipe up, you can put a search. You can say, I want to search for people that are interested in yoga. You can fill up a match form, which basically says, I'm a guy looking for a girl, this age group, these interests. And then it'll pop up all the people that are live and then you can directly have a one-to-one -one video chat with them live. Okay. So it's like one-to-one -one and one-to-many both uh, yes. options are there. Okay. So this for me is, uh, is one of my uh, newest and, and, and uh, exciting ventures. I'm wearing the CEO hat. Um, I set up this uh, company. We've got a team of about 40 people working under me. Um, and this is what I'm looking at taking to the next level. Uh, and in between, um, we have our F&B business that Chilpa and I invested into, Bastion Hospitality, one of the most popular um, celebrity restaurants in uh, in Bombay. Okay, okay. So uh, it, it, on the JL stream only, uh, what kind of uh, users, uh, what are the numbers like? Like, you know, how many uh, users, are, like, you know, that monthly active user number? Yeah, yeah. So from Jan till now, April, in four months, we had half a million downloads. Um, we have about 7,000 to 8,000 daily active users and 150,000 monthly active users. So it's just still small, but based on that, to be doing more revenue than any of these uh, new uh, short video platform apps are doing, uh, who have 20, 30 million users. So with that 100,000 user base, we're already doing $100,000 a month. Wow. And uh, what percentage do you keep? Like, you know, when somebody... We do 50-50 with the streamer. 
Okay, okay. And uh, how will you uh, do the e-commerce bit? Will you like tie up with an existing e-commerce player or will you build the whole stack? No, no, we'll tie up. So for example, if a, if a brand comes to us and says, okay, I'm a makeup brand, uh, can you get one of your influencers to sell? We're going to give you an uh, inventory of, we have 5,000, just uh, up to 5,000. So we put that in our system. All the orders go directly. We take a commission. Um, we give the streamer commission. And so the streamer makes money, we make money, and the user gets to sell his product using one of our uh, one of our hundreds of influencers that we have. So they, they get a choice of influencers, um, and then you can sell live video. Live video streaming sales is the biggest business in China. And I know that it's going to fall, it's going to fall down into India as well, where people say, you know what, I trust my influencer, I'll buy it if he tells me to. Okay, okay, okay. So uh, your competitors here would be companies like, say, Mishu, which is also, in a way, helping influencers to sell. And uh, there's Bulbul. Bulbul is, again, uh, video-based. They're, they're, they're basically uh, pre-recorded videos that you can buy what they're wearing and what they have. Yes, 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 yes. They're pre-recorded. Yes. We, we plan to get into pure live streaming. FOMO, once it's gone, it's gone. You start connecting with your favorite streamers. Know that they sell some of the best products. Know that they come with a limited inventory. Um, and knowing that you're having a special offer if you buy through them. So there will be a lot of offers that we'll be able to negotiate and create because we know that our buying power that in a live stream will be able to sell five, 10,000 pieces, for example. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Got it. Okay. Cool. And uh, like, you know, what is, uh, I mean, the name Jaldi is like a India specific name and you have plans to go global. So how will that happen? Yeah. So that's why it's a jail stream for the international market. And we have two handles, a jail stream for the global market and Jaldi Life for India. Um, the jail stands for Jaldi Life, but we know that Jaldi is a word. It's very difficult to pronounce for a foreigner. So they all call it jail stream. Uh, we have all the handles, jail stream and jail delight. Mm-hmm. But uh, are you like looking at specific countries that you launch first or you'll let the market dictate, like wherever you get more downloads? Uh, you know, like more? We, we, we started with India. Uh, that was the lowest hanging fruit. And one a few of the celebrities posted for us because they have, you know, the whole NRI Indian diaspora worldwide. Um, so we had people from Australia logging in, from Africa, from everywhere where there's Indian NRIs, America, Canada, everywhere. Um, we have a lot of users from all over the world that are sending gifts and a lot of streamers from around the world that are just logging in because anyone, you and me, can just log in, sign up, start streaming, and people can start sending us money and we can make revenue. So we have um, a payout partner that uh, allows us to pay out in over 100 countries. Um, so where you make your money from, you can cash out in that country uh, instantly. Mm-hmm. You're right. Okay. Okay. So, you know, uh, from what I understand, the biggest uh, asset which you have is relationships and network, which has helped you build your businesses throughout, you know, right from the age of 18 till today. So, you know, what's your advice to people like me? For example, I'm a little bit of an introvert. You know, I hesitate to. Uh, to go out, put myself out there, you know, build a network. So, you know, what's your advice to people like me? <laughs> Honestly, I really do feel that networking is important. Um, I follow Gary Vee, who's a really interesting uh, entrepreneur, um, and I love his, his videos and his, his his inspiration is great. And he's all about networking. He, he teaches us that if we network, half our battles won. And I'm, I'm living proof that had I not networked the way I did, I don't think I'd be where I am today. So, um, it's very, very important to get out there and to put that foot forward. If, if you know, being introvert is fine when you when you when you're at a home or you're or, or with people and then you're trying to get comfortable with someone. But when it comes to business, if you have a passion, you have to bite uh, the bait and just go after 
um, you know, making your dreams and your goals come true. Yeah, how do you network? Like, do you just cold call people, or do you just walk up to someone and say, "Hi, I'm Raj." Yeah, I mean, I've, I've done it. I've done it all. I, it depends. I, I started with cold calling to try and sell a Pashmina show, right up to um, uh, introducing someone in the car by you know him starting conversation, saying, "Hey, I like the Pashmina show," and then that was it. My entry happened. So you got to know which piece to play. You got to play. Business is like chess. If you play the right move, then you're going to get the right uh, invite, and then you're going to make the right move in that at that uh, place. So it's very, very important that um, you create the environment that you need around you, so that uh, you know you can make the business happen the way you want it to happen. Um, otherwise, sitting quiet, watching someone from afar, being a shy fan—it's not going to get you anywhere. You know, it's uh, it is what it is. Were you a fan of Shilpa before you like? Uh... Was I a fan? I was teased. I said, "Grew up watching your movies." <laughs> she started in the industry very young. <laughs> you always get me for that. She goes, "I'm not that old." We're the same age. Um, but yeah, so I, I love Bollywood, and that's why I got into Bollywood distribution as one of my businesses when I was younger. Um, but um, yeah, so I, I saw her work. I saw some of her movies, um, and she just became huge in the UK when she did that Big Brother stint. Um, I think that's where we met, and that's how we got into. Uh, she was in Big Brother in UK, is it? In the UK, that's right. The Celebrity Big Brother. Okay, 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 okay. And uh, so you know, if you build one conversation with somebody, say through cold call or you're dropping them to the airport, how, how does that one conversation lead into a relationship building? It all depends how that conversation goes. I mean, if if that some some conversations just uh, become a headache and you realize that okay, you started the wrong conversation with the wrong person, but um, you know, if, if if the person is interested in what you have and you're interested uh, and you've got the right product to, to offer the guy, then it's just follow up. I mean, you've, you've taken a card, you've got to make that follow up uh, email. Um, you've got to change the pleasantries. Um, and if you have a business card, the best thing is to drop the email to the customer that, uh, you know, uh, we, we had this conversation a few days ago. Uh, do we take it forward? Did you like it? How was it? Um, hope everything's well. And I think it's important to become friends with the people that you're working with so that you, you build a connect, which is a bit more, than just a cold cut business working relationship because in a cold cut business relationship it's very easy to um, to get denied but when you create a little bond with someone suddenly it's that I've seen it work a lot better when you create that little bond with someone it goes a long way so if you ask someone about their family their son drop a small gift for their for their baby you realize if you touch the right uh, the right chords and the right pulse um, that's it it's it's uh, you know if, if you've touched the right chord with someone it's much more easier to um, to have a better relationship and it's all about relationships and honestly I'm, I'm not a user-friendly person for me i will treat everyone be it um the boy cleaning dishes to um you know the richest man in the world the same um and some people say that but i genuinely i was born and brought up in in the uk where there was no such thing as house help we did everything ourselves we worked ourselves we washed our own dishes cleaned up after ourselves um so the way we were brought up was far different to uh, the way people in India brought up. Honestly, I find them a lot more spoiled. A middle-class Indian and a middle-class UK uh, citizen, you'd find the Indian much more spoiled than the British guy because it is what it is. You know? They've got too much uh, availability and cheap labor, access to cheap labor. So um, for me, it's, it's about how you treat someone and how you treat them when no one's watching is also very important. Hmm. Okay, so my last question to you, wh what would you like to be remembered as? You know, What would you like your legacy to be? Well... Never been asked that one. Um, you know, um, 
I think it's really, really important to, when, when I look at what I would like to leave, if something happens to me tomorrow, what do I leave behind for my family, for, for people around me? I think it's just got to be the fact that that person was a great, nice person, nice to talk to, pleasant. Um, his motives were genuine. Um, he was just helpful. Um, and I try and do that. I mean, I'm taking up a lot of work with Shilpa's foundation. Um, I do as, as much as I can. I've turned vegan. I'm doing my bit towards the community and helping people. So I'm not one of those guys that's there making money, living the life. I don't drink alcohol. Um, I, I, I don't eat meat. Uh, so for me, I, I'm very spiritual. And then it's a path that I've followed now. So I just want people to remember that this guy was a good guy. And, uh, and, and you know, I want to leave a footprint to where people can say, it's actually pretty good what he did. You know, he wakes up at 5 a.m. He, he leads a healthy life, worked out regularly. Uh, he was always available. He was one phone call away. Um, and he didn't treat people like shit. And I think that's really important. You've got to really treat um, people in the right way. I've, I've, I've been to a lot of celebrity, high influencer, big business people's parties where um, because you didn't cut, uh, you didn't make the cut, you know, they were sort of they'd just walk past you or just look through you. Um, and I just find that so fake, you know, it's like, um, learn to treat people like people guys, you know, <laughs> there you have it tomorrow. You don't. And I've seen a lot of highs and lows in my last 10 years of living in India. I've seen billionaires come and billionaires go. So I think it's, it's, it's the, if someone's been good to you, you'll remember that always. But if uh, someone's just been an ass, it's like, you know, you got, <laughs> this is karma paying you back. Mm-hmm. Who are your heroes? Sorry. I said, that's the last question, but I couldn't resist. Um, my, my father was one of my biggest heroes because really self-made, you know, from zero to hero. Um, he, he showed me that it can be done. So we, we used to watch him do everything, literally everything himself. And him and my mother, both, they really are self-made. Um, if, I, if I look in the, in the, in the business field, um, I love uh, Richard Branson uh, and, and the way he works. Um, Elon Musk is, 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 is the kind of guy that I think is pretty cool because of, uh, of the way he is. He's also very, you know, this is it. It's in your face. And he came up the hard way as well. People that are self-made, I have a lot more respect for self-made people than someone that just got it on a platter and then uh, and, uh, you know, tries to live up the life that way. Uh, would advise people to, to not just sort of, uh, you know, shut shop on India and think, oh, it's difficult. It's, it's politically driven and it's, you know, and then a lot of rules and regulations. If you, if you cut through the red tapism, there is no better place to do business than anywhere in the world than India. Do check out the very cool JL Stream app on Play Store or App Store to experience the next generation video led social network. If you like the Founder Thesis podcast, then do check out our other shows on subjects like marketing, technology, career advice, books, and drama. Visit thepodium.in, that is T H E P O D I U N dot I N for a complete list of all our shows.